You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 74 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Joining you, as always, is myself, Gandalf, and Matt, and Nathan Van Horn, who, before you speak, Nathan, listener, I want you to get your, your ears out. I want you to hear the voice of this man about to come, come through the, his brand new microphone. <laughs> well, it's not my brand new microphone. It's just my microphone that I'm finally using the right way. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna give you an out, Nathan. But uh, yes, Nathan Van Horn is uh, using a microphone that he's had for two and a half years that he's only just now have, getting to work. Have we been? Have we been doing this that long? No. 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 no, no. no. We started. We started in twenty twenty. Never mind. All right. So, so yeah. if you're a careful listener to the podcast, then you know that the, regardless of the content in the episode, my audio quality is substantially lesser than that of my colleagues, and it's because we all have the same hardware. Um, but I didn't know how to plug in the cord for mine. So I know it's been very complicated because <laughs> it's a USB cord. There it is. And so it, you know, for whatever reason, it took two and a half years to plug that in. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to defend Nathan and say you had the exact same problem yeah, one time. I, the only difference really is, is that I don't have a Gandalf on hand. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so very true. But in yeah. my defense of my comment, Gandalf has seen you since then. I could have totally could have fixed it for you. Yeah, so it's Gandalf's fault. I like how this ended up. Um, <laughs> no, please. Uh, in so, fact, did did Gandalf not resolve this for you in a matter of ten minutes? In he the did. Recording. He did. Okay. All right. Case yeah. in point. So I, yeah, I just want to say sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, when if we ever start like marketing products, I want mine to say "so easy a preacher could do it." Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but I also need to apologize for the past two weeks. You know, we just made the move. We've been settling in. And so I have picked the absolute worst spots to record, apparently. So if you've listened and you've listened carefully and you hear weird things like echoes, that's my fault. Uh, if you've heard heavy breathing, that's just because I've been adjusting to North Mississippi pollen and couldn't breathe out of my <laughs> nose. And so I think it's real. I think the Claritin has that out of my system. I think. I can hear my voice better now. Can y'all? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It'll be for it's the beautiful. listener to decide. So now that, uh, you know, uh, I'm not stuffy, I'm in a room with decent acoustics and I'm using the right hardware, it'll be like a whole new me, Nathan Van Horn 2.0. So in celebration of that, we're going to go back and begin at Genesis 1.1 and just re-record everything. everything. It's like a remaster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it'll be nice. Like, it'll be nice to know what we're doing this time, right? Uh, well, spe and, speaking of not knowing what 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 you're doing, oh, uh, good segue. Yeah, that's impressive. Good segue. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing today. <laughs> yeah, actually, we do know what we're doing today. We just, but yeah, but we there don't. is something to not knowing things. Just because like we have the Bible doesn't mean we have all the answers. Like for it's instance, true. I. I remember as a kid, it's just like, 
well, listen, this is what the Bible says. So, hey, look, I have all that I need. Well, we do have all that we need, but the Bible does not tell us everything that we would like to know. And sometimes it tells us things that make us think we understand, but we really don't. And some of those things can be explained and other things just kind of remain an, an enigma. But yeah, we're going to look at one of those things today, actually. As, as with most things you study, you don't get better answers, you get better questions, right? Uh, mm, so true. Um, and eventually you get better sound quality when your friends give you a really hard time. So uh, it's like the, it's like the end of I robot with Will Smith, where he has to ask the hologram, the right question. And then, oh yeah. Man, uh, been a that while. is the right question. That is the right question. Oh, that's, that's the episode title right there. That is the right yeah, question. That is the right question. So I read last week and I'm going to volunteer to read this week since I've been out for a while. Oh, big. Is, is that okay? Or, yeah. Uh, that's fine are, with me. Are, are you on cool drugs today? This? Are you on drugs? Uh, no, I have foregone my drugs to begin as soon as we conclude recording, because once they start, I will get loopy. So I, I will need to leave as soon as this is over and go take an IV. So, but anyway, thank you all. You all have prayed for me and you've told me that. Still and praying, thank buddy. you to our podcast listeners for your prayers and encouragements that I have received. By God's grace, I'm still here and I'm improving slowly. It's going to be a long journey, but... Again, thank you to our and, faithful and getting, base out there. And getting better sleep. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Because uh, uh, so, so many people who ask me about you that are praying for you uh, and, and know me better than they know you say, just how's he sleeping? Well, uh, so the doctors have adjusted um, my medicine. And because of that, I'm getting eight to eight plus hours of sleep a night, which is a welcome, welcome change. So thank you. For your prayers in that regard. So, so what you're saying is you're getting better sleep than Abram does in verse 12. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of, I want to begin in verse number 12. Yahtzee. So this is, as always, coming from the ESV. We read this last week. We're going to look at a different aspect this week. So Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 12 and following. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Interesting. But I will bring judgment on the nation they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. Also interesting. I'm thinking of a future episode right there. Hmm. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay. I have a question I want to ask Gandalf, because Gan ready. Gandalf, I know... Your, your technology guru and genius, uh, you know, an encyclopedia of pop culture references. And if they gave out PhDs on internet memes, dude, you would have an honorary one for sure. Yeah, thank you. Thank we, you. We, we, we know this. But I also know you grew up in church and went to Sunday school. So you probably know the answer to this. If I were to ask you, how many years was Israel enslaved in Egypt? What would you say? 
400. Wait, I didn't, I, I didn't even get to do the Jeopardy music. Can y'all? Oh, can you, <laughs> that's right. Can we do that again with like a mysterious da, delay? Da, do, do, do. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Ruin. Well, Nathan, you have to you have to provide all the sound effects going forward because if, if we're if we ever have a hope of taking the podcast independent, we can't use we can't use that's, copyrighted. That's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, man, I don't know that I have any original thoughts. That's a dangerous prospect. <laughs> So, question. So 400 years. What, so, why do you say 400 years? Is that your final answer? Well, this is good. I know, I know that you've got a trick up your sleeve because it, it seems too easy for me, but it's, I mean, it says it right here. It's talking about the show, sojourners in a land that's not theirs and be servants there, bring judgment, come out with great possessions. That could only, that seems to me, that could only be Egypt. That's right? right. And by the way, I have seen the Prince of Egypt and I have seen the Ten Commandments. Gandalf's, both of those Gandalf's movies, favorite Bible movie. Correct. Uh, absolutely. Both of those movies give the impression that Israel was enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. So, Dr. Van Horn, oh, what's the problem here? I, I would say the movies didn't give that impression. I would say that this... This passage gives that impression. Well, this passage, yeah, because notice what it says. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. Well, here's a question. Is they will be afflicted for 400 years connected to all of that, that they will be sojourners in a land, not theirs? Like, is it connected to all of those things, or is it only connected to Yeah, so... So I, I like mm. I like to say that my greatest weakness in terms of biblical knowledge is geography, but I want to amend that to and biblical chronology because biblical chronology is just difficult and not as straightforward as we want it to be. Right. Um, and there's just something to that. So like even, you know, when you get to the, let's pretend we're not in the Old Testament because the, the farther back you go, the harder it is to establish dates. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, good. So we're all on the same page. So you get to the new Testament. When was Jesus born? Mm. Actually. All right. All right. If that's a hard December 25th one, 25th in the year zero, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Only he wasn't right. Yeah, um, that's right. And so, all right. So let's make it easier. When did Jesus die? Uh, 33 AD on Easter. Uh, Easter Sunday. Yeah. Correct. Whatever, whatever, uh, whatever. Yeah, that but not on Easter. Year. On Good Friday. On Good Friday. Oh, Good Friday. That's right. Um, Gandalf was not listening during the Easter sermon, apparently. Uh, <laughs> we, we established that I wasn't, uh, uh, only briefly. He was, he, was make, <laughs> he, was right. making, he was making the tech work, yeah. Big, big debate on whether Jesus was crucified in 33 or in 30, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and personally, I lean toward 33, and that's a different discussion. But you can't, uh, you can't prove it without dispute, right? Um, that's right. Uh, Pick any three Pauline scholars and ask them for their chronology of Paul's missions. You'll get mm. at least three different answers. I mean, that's if the scholar agrees with himself or herself. Um, and so, yeah, biblical chronology is just hard. And so it's it's like it, Matt saying you have a lot of information in these verses, uh, and it's it's just very tough if you read Genesis commentaries, both in the uh, Christian tradition. Matt appeals to uh, Kenneth Matthews. Um, New American uh, commentary series uh, on Genesis a good bit. Uh, we read Walton. We read 
Uh, also Derek Kidner. I used yeah, him. Victor Hamilton. I mean, there's so many. I, I really also like a, a Jewish scholar uh, by the name of Nahum Sarna. I mean, we're doing our homework and we're telling you these people know a lot, a lot more than we do, and they don't know. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's, it's interesting. It's not a progressive and conservative issue. Yes, uh, Matt, I'm glad you said that because so often what we do, what we do, and if you grew up in church, you know that we do this. I'm speaking to my people. This is an in-house discussion. We tend to draw lines in the sand and say, if you don't take this stance on this issue, then you're compromising the text, right? Yeah. Do you believe in a worldwide flood or do you not believe in inerrancy? That, oh, that, wow. Seriously, right. that's, that's where we go. Well, and that's yeah, not problem. That, right. And that's not problematic for me because I'm not a compromiser. I do believe in a worldwide flood. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I love to throw Matt under the bus. Um, <laughs> I'm messing. I'm messing. But that's what we yeah. do. That's that is when exactly. you feel the need to explain to your people regularly. I'm not a progressive. There may be something behind that. Right. There it is. <laughs> I am not a crook. Um, sorry, sorry, Nixon. Um, yeah. Uh, but we do, we tend to draw these lines in the sand and say, you know, you know, if, oh, if you don't take this stance on that issue, then you clearly don't believe the Bible's infallible. What we want to keep coming back to in the show is we believe that the scripture is inspired without error, but the inspiration of scripture and the inspiration of our interpretation of scripture is not one in the same. And Absolutely. one of the, and, and, that, one of the, and by the way, I listened to our podcast and I realized I say absolutely a lot, but there are things that I have learned from this podcast that I'm persuaded of that this thing is written to us, or excuse me, written for us, but, but not, not to initially us. to us. Yeah, um, and uh, genealogies are one of those hard things to make work, and we're we're gonna you know provide some tips on resolving some of the stuff, but. One of the things that we do on this podcast, when I describe it to people and I'm trying to get them to, you know, listen, um, or, or we're talking about it, um, I say on the one hand, we're trying to treat the Bible, not just as a bunch of episodes. We're, we're trying to, to, to investigate the Bible as this very well-planned, very well-revealed story by God that, that it's just this big overarching meta narrative. Uh, that refers to different parts back and forward, and it's just a beautiful thing. The other thing that we're trying to do is really give a, a fair ear to how the text was understood in its original context. And one of the ways that we bridge story and context is by looking at how the text has been interpreted through the centuries, both in the Jewish and Christian traditions. Fair? Mm. And I'm saying if you look at the Jewish and Christian traditions through the years, long before we had liberal and conservative, progressive and traditionalist debates, they have not always agreed on how to make sense of this. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, not just, it's not just abundantly evident how you reconcile some of the numbers, right? So, um, so for, example, just, for example, uh -huh. what, how long is a generation, Matt? Yeah. And as a Westerner, I want to say, well, it's 40 years, it's 70 years, it's a hundred years, so on and so forth. We, when we think about the Bible, we think in those terms. However, when we think about our own family trees, we don't think in numbers. Like if you, if you say you four generations iteration. of my family, I'm thinking of people. I'm yeah. not thinking of numbers. I, I love that. By, and by the way, so, and here's why this is, um, here's why this is significant. Uh, flip real quick to first Kings six, one. Uh, in the 480th year after the people of 
Israel came out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of King Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build a house of the Lord. 480th year. What would, Matt, if you saw 480, based on our, our generation question, what would you be tempted to see there? Uh, four generations? Twelve, twelve well, five, or five, five generations, or, oh, okay. Or, or maybe twelve generations, or twelve generations of 40 yeah. years, right? Yeah, that's right. But, but you also have in the book of Job, uh, a, a period of, I can't remember if it's 130 or 140 years that's divided into four generations. So then a generation is less than, is less than that. Right. Right. Uh, and so one of the things is we, we tend to, because we think in terms of absolute dating. We tend to establish a time span and a unit of measurement. So a generation equals this, but is it possible, possible biblically, you could have two, uh, you could have two units of measurement and both of them were 10 generations long and have two different lengths of time. Right. Right. It is a generation always X amount of years. Um, cause you, you have people suggesting, uh, on the long end, if, if Genesis six, three is capturing that 120 years of repentance as a generation's time, then a generation might mean as much as 120 years. Some people go by uh, the uh, length of Abraham's life, uh, you know, uh, prior to Isaac, the 100, 100 years and say, hey, four generations sounds like 400 years and that squares pretty well. But we don't always know what a generation means. So that complicates our efforts to date these things absolutely. You know, well, as we all know, only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> there. But so can I just, so just some careful reading, because we have in our mind 400 years of slavery, because that's just what we've grown up hearing. Just a careful reading of Exodus chapter one does not even allow for that. So I'm not going to read all of Exodus chapter one to you, but in Exodus chapter one and verse eight, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities of Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they set abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service um, in brick and in, in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt says to the Hebrew midwives to, you know, kill the boys. And it is this that Moses is rescued from. So here's my point. Whoever the king of Egypt was that brought about slavery, according to the text, is the Pharaoh that Moses was rescued from. So therefore, slavery could not have been much older than Moses himself. So slavery only came in towards the tail end of their sojourning in Egypt. Which it also makes sense. Is it Leviticus or is, or is it Numbers where they're told to, where God tells the Israelites to deal with Egyptians with kindness because of the kindness that they were shown when they were in Egypt? I think that's Leviticus. Is that Leviticus? Yeah, because so, is that the, because you were sojourners in the land? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember. You and I talked about it a few years ago. But, okay, Gandalf, how does this change the story? 
the way we present it is God looked the other way for 400 years when his people cried out to him for deliverance. Yeah, I, I, I've even heard uh, the, the 400 years of slavery in Egypt as like a bookmark comparing the gap between New and Old Testament. Like, I've heard a lot of things coming out of that 400-year number. Right, but like 400 years of God just saying, yeah, I'm not ready to do anything about this yet. Or mm. is it in the very generation that this was enacted, God sent the deliverer? Yeah, so, so I will say this. Certainly, from the, you know, once you get to Exodus, um, to and, and it, again, there's so many pertinent texts that we don't have time to look at. You know, there's Acts 7, 6, there's uh, Genesis, there's uh, Exodus 12, 40 and 41. I mean, there's there's a number of texts to try to reconcile in this thing. But if you're just reading Exodus in the story, to Matt's point, you don't see the establishment of slavery. You You don't see multiple generations passing between the enslavement portion. Maybe... Yes, to being sojourners in the land, and yes, no to doubt. eventually being enslaved there. But once slavery is part of the picture, you don't see hundreds of years passing between that and Moses. That's Correct. what you're saying, Matt, right? That's, and, that's what and I'm so, saying. And it, so part of the question in Genesis 15 then is, uh, is the afflicted for 400 years one, one in the same, or in other words, is it concurrent, not consecutive to the sojourners thing? Right. That, that it, it would seem if we're trying to make a sense of it in this way, and it also says four generations. And that's another thing that's interest, interesting. Yeah, down Moses, in 16. Yeah, Moses would be the fourth generation of that family which moved to Egypt that we read about at the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus, the 70 of Jacob's you're, descendants. You're, yeah, you're talking about when Jacob moves the whole tribe down there. Right, and Levi, Jacob's son, would have come to Egypt, and then Levi has a son, Kohath, then Amram, who is married to Jacobhead, and then there's Moses. That's, that's just, that's four generations there. Now, we want to approach this with humility. I don't want to like be oversimplifying this and saying, well, gosh, it's just so obvious. No, we have talked before that sometimes genealogies are thematic, and they're trying to accomplish a theological purpose or our 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 family purpose more so than to you know put out a timeline of history so i i'm not saying that hey this is under wraps i'm just saying if you're just reading the bible along and you're reading the narrative and not just these markers like 400 years and attaching it to a single phrase you're going to find that the israelites were not enslaved beyond the generation that preceded Moses. You, you, you do better to approach genealogies in terms of names and numbers to your earlier point. Right. And again, you, you know, the Bible's not, the Bible has a lot more genealogies than it does date markers to that point. Right. Right. Um, like I, so. I think, I think of post exile, I think of uh, Chronicles. Mm. You, you just have gene. I mean, you have genealogy upon genealogy trying to, again, that's, Genealogies are their way of compressing and pre presenting core history in a very compact form. That doesn't mean uh, that doesn't mean that genealogies are always reckoned the same way. 
Well, uh, and again, and, or that genealogies are always exhaustive. So it's interesting to me, though, the way we read the text, because we're trying to make all the pieces fit uh, with all of our, our dates and timelines and everything. And I understand that. I respect that. But if you're just reading the flow of the text, we found over and over and over again, if you just read the flow of the text, the story communicates a much more compassionate God than often our systems allow for. That's, that's exactly what I was about to say. I was about to say that uh, a, a God who intervenes within a single generation tracks much more closely to what we've seen with his actions up to like, this point. This is the God, remember going back to, I've told you what was so significant in the early Genesis part, that God waited 120 years before he judged the flood mm. uh, or judged the world with a flood, giving people time to repent. God, at least according to the flow of the story, sends a deliverer in the very generation of the enactment of slavery. In fact, sends the deliverer at the moment that babies are thrown into the Nile. And mm -hmm. as opposed to, so when later we read in Exodus that God has heard the cries of his people, this was not 400 years of crying, if this interpretation is correct. I'm just saying the flow of the story paints a very tender, compassionate God towards his people. And I'm not saying this is in a bag because we all have to acknowledge there are brilliant people that love Jesus and have a high regard for the word of God that are going to differ on this stuff and the timing of the Exodus. And then you've got of how this all stacks up with Egyptology. And I, I understand that those are not my fields. My fields are my field is being a pastor and reading the Bible. There, the, there, the flow, the flow there, of the story paints a I, very compassionate God. I, mm. I would have loved if you'd like, and I'm quite the Egyptologist. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Richard Hess, who I, I think he's still at Denver Seminary, he was. Um, this like this was when I knew I was a nerd, a Bible nerd. I was an advanced Hebrew exegesis of First and Second Kings. Uh, which we you know we're dealing from the Hebrew text every day, and one day we get a guest lecture from um, from Richard Hess, who's a, a well-known Assyriologist. And I just remember thinking to myself, I wonder how many Assyriology students there are <laughs> in the world. Uh, like that seems like one of those things you learn one-on-one. -on -one. Nothing says employable skills like Assyriology. That's right. That you know, <laughs> I don't you know you don't list that on Facebook. Um, <laughs> Hey, You're not uh, getting can, a lot of hits. Can on I your throw LinkedIn. something else out here? Because uh, I know we're running out of time. But yep. talking about this compassionate God, okay, maybe they weren't enslaved for 400 years. Maybe God does send the deliverer in the actual enactment of the generation of slavery. Is that not keeping in congruence with Genesis 15 and verse 15 and 16? As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried, buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Meaning, this is another 120-year thing. We're going to give the Amorites some time because they do not deserve judgment at this moment. Yeah, and you see, uh, so you, you see the flood thing not only looking uh, there, you, you see the flood thing with Egypt, you know, to your point, I almost commented on it earlier. Um, uh, what What's the context for the controversy in Exodus? 
it's not just the enslavement, it's the killing of the Hebrew babies. How do they kill them at? They're drowning yeah. them in the river. They're, they're, they're playing God by tossing them into the waters. And so what does the, God the, do? Yeah, the, he preserves one of them in an ark. <laughs> you have the similarity oh, of language yeah. between oh, Moses. that's and really good. So I mean, there's so much to it. I'm, I'm just saying, we're just saying, don't get caught up in the, I'm not saying history is not important. I'm not saying this is not worth teasing out. I'm just saying there's so much more to the story um, that it, you can get caught up in the weeds pretty easily over well, stuff that people are never going to tease out to everyone's satisfaction. I, I, I look forward to examining that in Exodus four generations from now. There it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, with our oh, great-great-grandchildren. So, but, so oh, sorry, somebody told me uh, a few years ago, um, they were talking about Michael Jordan and I believe they were I can making fly. Couldn't resist. an illustration. And they said, what's he like? And immediately somebody started the number of points he scored, the number of assists he had, the number of rebounds he had, the number of championships he possesses and stuff like that. But with all of those statistics, do you really know Michael Jordan? Yeah. Does that describe who he is? I just know he was awesome in Space Jam. Oh, he that is a great movie. But my point being is that the story, Genesis Ford, don't get caught just reading the stats. Yeah, and to I like that. Out, and try to figure out and label what God is like. The story shows a much more kind picture of God. And this is not us, hey, we don't want to deal with the hard stuff and we need to apologize for the mean God of the Old Testament. No, not at all. I believe the people that believe that God is mean in the Old Testament are not reading their Old Testament the way it's meant to be read. He is that's far not how, more compassionate. That's not how they describe him. That's right. This they is we've never talked about it before. This is how yeah. Jonah knows. This is how Abraham knows. Jonah didn't run away from Nineveh because he thought he thought God was too mean. Right? That's right. The Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast brought to you by guys who did not take statistics in college. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, listener. Uh, we promise you don't have to wait any number of generations to hear the next episode of the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast because we release a new episode every Tuesday morning. And Most if you of are the of the number who listen to the very end, and for some reason you are not yet subscribed to the show, then go ahead and do that now. Hit the plus mark, the check mark, the like, love, heart, whatever, whatever that looks like on the platform of your choosing, and you'll get a notification every time we release a new episode every Tuesday morning. And until then... We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you back here again, connecting the dots of the greatest narrative. See you. See you next time. Shalom. And I'm staying in that 1812 range. I'm loving it. Loving it.